0: Welcome to Radio Beacon, the podcast of Beacon Communications. I'm Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald. Joined here, as always, by Jake Morocco, editor of the Johnson Sunrise. Happy Friday, Jake.
1: Happy Friday, Dan. How you doing?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad this week because uh, it's been a weird one. It's kind of flown by. The storm on Monday kind of uh, uh, made it feel pretty disjointed to mm-hmm. me. I don't know.
1: Bit of a whimper in the Warwick-Cranston area.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it seems like there was a really hyper-coastal effect that... Uh, you know, and, and even places a little further from the coast than you'd think, uh, got away with. I mean, it was really, I went out with my dad to shovel that night and, uh, it was, it was some heavy, heavy snow. It was very slushy, very, uh,
1: yeah, uh, it was. It was easy to
0: clear, but it was it was a uh, beast.
1: As it was falling, I was Emily and I were, were remarking to each other how it was almost like an inverse effect. Because usually during these storms, like westerly and like all those coastal areas don't get hit as hard by the snow, and the inland areas get get pummeled like Boroughville and North Smithfield. But like it was the opposite this time around. Like westerly was getting power knocked out, Gansett was getting power knocked out, and at least early on Boroughville and North Smithfield, like those places, Smithfield, like they weren't getting as much snow. It kind of leveled out, but. If you look at the uh, National Weather Service map for the snowfall totals, it's like – it looks like a Rorschach test. Like there's mm. – it's like there's big holes of snow in like Connecticut and obviously like Warwick only got like three while West Warwick got like eight. It was a cra- – the, the cutoff was crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, I was uh, quite happy to mm. to not get the eight to 12 or whatever prediction Oh yeah. had been. And, uh, and
1: shout out to – I think it was – Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it, it? was either ten or twelve. One of the local stations got said three. I think it was ten. Said three to five. I believe it was
0: the yeah. channel ten map. Yeah. It said said
1: three to five it. for the Warwick area, and they were the only one that was really spot on. So uh, kudos yeah, yeah. to uh, to the team over there.
0: Cheers! Yeah. Cheers. They were much much more bearish on the. My back the, thanks you. <laughs> <on the dorm. laughs> well, hopefully, you uh, we don't get too many more storms. Mm. Uh, We'll see. I guess you were telling me that there's some snow in the forecast for Sunday.
1: There is. There's apparently, uh, take it for what it's worth, because we're still 48 hours out, but uh, there's about three to five inches in the forecast for Sunday afternoon. So uh, even more incentive to not leave your house for the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Well, six more weeks of winter, apparently, if uh, uh, that was Plexatroni Phil's uh, verdict.
1: I got to say, one, I mean, it's barely a holiday, but it shouldn't exist, honestly. Like I just don't I don't understand the point of it. I mean, I know it's like a tradition or whatever, but like it's not gonna change. Like if he if he didn't see his shadow, we're really gonna like what we to Change the calendar to the first day of spring is February whatever day it was second. Like come on, Puxitani Phil. It's just it's it's big groundhog. Let me tell you that it's big groundhog <laughs> trying to shove this holiday down our throats. I'm not standing for it. I, I'm not gonna it's be the... I'm not gonna be censored. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's just a a fun little chapter, a fun little piece of the. Uh... The, uh, the fabric of America, there.
1: That, that, little, is, that is one way to put it. Yes. Of all the things that got canceled during the past year, somehow we kept that going.
0: Hey, you know. Anyhow, uh, moving on to, uh, I think we're going to take a little bit of a different approach this week, but I guess to start off, just to, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, folks are tuned in well to this, but uh, we have certainly been covering it. Um, the the rollout here of uh, vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines to folks 75 years and older, um, cities and towns last week had to uh, kind of sprint to get uh, uh, regional programs and registries in place after the health department uh, released or secured or found uh, roughly 5,000 doses of vaccine vaccine. Um, to uh, disperse among the city's 39, the state's 39 communities. Um, I know in, in Warwick they uh, launched an online registry that quickly filled up. They had 390 doses to give away, uh, or to administer. I should say it's not a not a giveaway, but uh, uh, to older folks in Cranston, they uh, had the same amount, and they chose to do a, a phone registry system. Um, they've since launched a website. Vaccine.com. Um And I believe there's a, uh, through the Warwick uh, city page, there is a um, registry there too. But anyway, those, uh, they had to kind of rush to get this infrastructure in place and to, to get lists compiled. Um, so we've got full coverage of that process in, uh, in our papers. And I know going forward, they are um, expecting additional weekly doses to be coming in uh, for a lot in the two cities and towns. Um, how did it go in, in Johnston, Jake?
1: Uh, so I've been in touch with the mayor, and I spoke with Rep Folella this week about you know trying to expand vaccine rollout, and she would like to see that. You know, uh, The superintendent and Kathleen Kanzierski, the president of the Johnston Federation of Teachers, they want to see teachers get higher priority. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it gets rolled out here, but uh, there was an announcement, obviously, I'm sure everybody saw it by now, that CVS would be kind of adding a few more locations in Johnston for for vaccines for folks 75 and older. And obviously Johnson has a pretty high population of, of elderly folks. So it's big. It's big for people. I know Philella, uh, Rep Philela, told me that she's been getting calls from people who are elderly, but they don't live in, you know, like Cherry Hill Manor or, you know, Pell Manor or Amy Ferran like places that have been vac- vaccinated already. And they're anxious to see when they can get it. And now it looks like there have been more avenues opened up for people to go get their vaccinations and as you work your way down the age line 75 65 you're going to see big um you know big results here i think the ap just published today that you're seeing uh positive results fall in nursing homes which is the first sign that the vaccines are starting to work and starting to show that they're trying to alleviate some of the impact of the the pandemic so in johnson i think now that once you get more people to cvs and and these partnerships start to pop up here and there it's it's going to be a boon and i think uh, it was announced today the Dunkin' donut center is going to be opened up as well
0: yeah i just saw that that they're they're stopping the testing right <coughs> operation there and uh planning to make that one of the the state-run uh, vaccine sites um yeah i guess to, to to get for a nutshell for people that are still looking to that have are 75 or older have relatives or neighbors that are uh, older and will be eligible for the vaccine um, until the next phase begins. Um, Based on uh, the health department's uh, state briefing yesterday, there will basically be three ways to register going forward. One is through, as you mentioned, the CVS and Walgreens programs, which begin uh, uh, registration this weekend. Um, So you can visit cvs.com or walgreens.com for more information on those. Um, then there are these state run sites that are in progress. Uh, Dr. Alexander Scott of the health department yesterday said those will be up and running at some point later this month um, as supply grows, the amount of vaccine coming into the state um, becomes more robust um, and there'll be more details on that coming. There's no registration or anything for those at this point, there are these uh, local um, pods that began, as we mentioned last weekend, um, Those uh, Our communities are uh, registering people for those. They've administered these initial or scheduled appointments for these initial 390 doses that were allotted going forward as more supply rolls in through the cities and towns. Um, They will be continuing to administer them. I know in Warwick, I believe it's being done on a first-come, 1st serve basis. In Cranston, they are um, taking the full registry that they have and then descending uh, chronologically by age. So... If you have, you know, a person who's 83 on the registry and a person who's uh, 77, the person who's 83 will be scheduled first for an appointment. Um, so just in brief, for Warwick, visit uh, warwickri.gov slash vaccine, warwickri.gov vaccine. For Cranston, it's cranstonvaccine.com. Um, you can go and uh, um, my understanding is that you can register – You know, you don't have to be the the person in question. You can register for a family member or a neighbor. I think there does need to be an email involved. Um, Cranston's also advised that folks can call the Senior Enrichment Center on Cranston Street or call City Hall as well to get registered. And uh, is there an ongoing registry in Johnston right now, Jay?
1: Not yet, but they're looking to set that up. So I'll be I'll be following up with the mayor this week to see what what their status is. But uh, I assume now with all with the <clears throat> the pod impending and, you know, CVS and Walgreens and all these places, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be, there'll be something, but I will get concrete answers on that next week when I talk to the mayor.
0: Sure. For what it's worth, uh, Mayor Hopkins and Cranston said that he expects starting the week of, uh, I guess it's the 15th or 16th of February, that um, Cranston will be receiving 500 doses of vaccine a week through the state. Uh, so that's, uh, and I, I would imagine that Warwick's allotment will be very similar given that the, the two cities are very close in population and had the same initial dose uh, allotment there with the 390. So um, we'll certainly do our utmost to keep everyone uh, posted and let folks in the community know uh, what the process is and how they should be seeking uh, to register for vaccines, seeking to get vaccines um, as they become available. Um you know, what health officials have said is that going forward, it's going to be a process that is governed by three key factors, the rollout, um, first age, then uh, also underlying health issues, and then uh, certain geographic areas, zip codes, stuff like that, that have been particularly hard hit by COVID-19. Um, from what the health director said last week, that will also include some neighborhoods of Cranston, I believe, in addition to Providence, Central Falls, Pawtucket, some of the uh, the urban core communities that have been hard hit Um, will be uh, elevated in the rollout in some way, I think through, you know, more targeted uh, neighborhood clinics and stuff. Um, But I know the 65 years and older group um, is scheduled to start at some point this month, um, I think uh, in a couple of weeks. So Um, we'll keep you posted. And I know the the mayors in Cranston and, and Johnston too, or Cranston and Warwick particularly, um, have been very active on social media, seeking to promote this stuff. The concern gets brought up a lot that uh, some older residents uh, are not online, don't have computers, that kind of thing. So, um, hopefully, we can help get the message out to them through through the paper and that, uh, and folks in the community, loved ones and neighbors, can uh, help get the word out to folks who might not otherwise be connected as well. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, it's a, there's a lot going on, Jake, as you know. There's from the state level on down, there's uh, no shortage of news. We are staying very busy. I figured for this week we could, uh, um, you know, make it take a little bit different tack than, uh, than what we usually do with our usual roundup. Um, in, in the spirit of the, uh, the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, obviously, the, our beloved Patriots will not be playing in the big game as uh been custom in the last. Couple of decades, but uh, there is a a strong connection with uh, former Patriots legend Tom Brady aiming for his sixth or excuse me seventh right Super Bowl. Yep. Um, with his new squad down there in Florida, so um, in the spirit of the game, and we'll do our Super Bowl predictions I think at the end, but maybe run through uh, a couple of these stories through the lens of uh, you know a, the a prop bet type thing or a yeah. make a prediction type thing. Yeah. Uh, I figured maybe we could start with the lieutenant governor's office, which will be opening up soon, although uh, maybe not as soon as uh, folks uh, would have thought or hoped. Um, Governor Raimondo's appointment as commerce secretary appears on track. And, and by all indications, she, she sailed through committee in the, in the U.S. Senate uh, earlier this week. But uh, I know Senator Cruz has put a hold on it, which is more of a procedural thing. But um, she might be here for a couple more weeks. Um, that's led to its own debate over whether uh, you know she hasn't been taking requests from reporters. Um, our, our colleague, former colleague James Bissett, now of the Providence Business News, president of the Rhode Island Press Association, has uh, spoken out on the the, the concerns there, as of other organizations. But um, um, anyway, the you know, with there's that whole debate over whether she should, uh, you know, open up the office now. Um, you know, let, let McKee, who has, uh, been at these briefings, um, for the state the last couple of weeks and taking on a much more public face, let him actually take the reins. Um, but, uh, the, the whole separate, uh, issue now will be once he assumes the governorship, there'll be this opening in the Lieutenant governor's office. And, uh, he opened up a uh, public application process for that. Um, there was some reporting yesterday by our our colleagues and other outlets, I think at PRI had it first, uh, about the uh, lack of transparency that seemed to come with that. I guess there were something like 62 applications for uh, Lieutenant Governor that the, the McKee transition team received, but they are not disclosing any more information than that at this point. Um, so that's uh, you know that's a whole other debate as well, right. but um, at this point, who do you think is going to uh, get this pick? Do you have any you have any thoughts, Jake? Because so, I know yeah we've 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 talked about it seemed early on that uh, James Diasa, the the now former mayor of Central Falls, was a, a real front runner and someone that uh, I know Mayor Policino lobbied for, but he's since taken a role with Brown University that seems to potentially preclude preclude that
1: that's true um see for for me i just want to circle back a second because we talked a little bit about it off air but i i think the lack of transparency is is difficult to kind of reckon with because it is i i understand wanting to kind of keep the process moving but at the same time this is an elected position usually in the state of Rhode Island, so you feel like the people should probably have some you know idea of who's applying for it, especially if it's what you said five dozen people who have applied for it. Um, it's tough because uh, James DiaAsso was <laughs> the pick for a lot of people. like I said Paul Sina, uh Mayor Cena was a big fan of his. he really advocated for him. and I mean I, I wish I had better insight because if we had an idea of who was applying for it there, I mean there have been a couple of names floated here and there but if they didn't apply for it like they like D'Asa, they took a job somewhere else. It's you don't really have a grasp of what you're going to be dealing with. And at what point will it be made public? Will it be made public at the second stage of the interviews or when the interviews begin or when we get down to the final ten? Or you know, well, How are they going to kind of make get this process moving along? So, I mean, I wish I had a clear-cut answer for you. I mean, if this was like a Super Bowl prop bet, I would, I would almost take kind of the, uh, the uh, I don't want the action on this approach because I, it's just such a wildly huge field at this point. But I'm anxious to see what you think, because, I mean, with the lack of transparency there, I, I don't know if I can give a concrete answer, but who, who do you think?
0: Well, this isn't based on anything other mm-hmm. than my own kind of uh, you know speculation and, and thought. I'm thinking that um, there might be interest in seeing if, if uh, Secretary of State Nelly Gorbea hmm. uh, wants the post. Um, and Because I, I think from a political standpoint... Um, you know, especially if going forward, um, the, the, the Lieutenant Governor McKee, who is obviously, I think, pretty much, uh, you know, it's no secret he's going to be running for, for governor and was planning to do that. Regardless, in 2022, um, you know, that's going to be a very crowded uh, Democratic primary field. Um, Seca like, uh, General Treasurer Seth Magaziner, Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza, among the bigger names that uh, get brought up. Um, so I'm wondering if it, if, if some circumstances don't align that maybe make it a, uh, a mutually beneficial arrangement for, for McKee and Gorbea, where, um, they can kind of run as a ticket. It certainly would seem to, um, uh, for, for Lieutenant Governor McKee, maybe broaden, you know, being able to run with someone like Secretary Gorbea, uh, maybe broaden his political appeal a little bit, um, and, solidify him heading into that primary yeah. um especially given the um i believe uh and forgive me i might be getting this wrong but uh the our, our colleagues at pri i think also did some deep dives on the or maybe it was uh, dan mcgowan actually did uh, a rundown on the money race the kind of shadow primary for governor and uh, i think general treasurer magaziner was leading the money race mm-hmm. by a pretty good margin so
1: healthy margin um, for sure
0: so anyway that's just my speculation. I don't know you know uh, if the, the odds were there I don't know what hers would be at, but I'd imagine they'd be pretty good. so yeah uh, you know a pretty a pretty good uh, investment there. That that's would just be interesting. my speculation.
1: That would be interesting, uh, especially running as a ticket which you know didn't obviously happen in the last election. Uh, the governor and lieutenant governor did not run as a ticket. So it's interesting. Um, that would definitely take a major player out of the field. For, I mean, granted, you know, unless Gorbea wants to run for governor anyway after that appointment.
0: Um, well, then it would set yeah, her up right. too, you know, to theoretically be the successor, kind of be in the in the line there, and right. uh, you know, her stock I think is pretty high given yep. how well the election seems to have gone in Rhode Island and how well, uh, you know, given all the challenges there, um, the different means of voting. Mm. Obviously, that's been controversial and controversial in some segments, but. Uh, um, all in all you know it was a big turnout it went well It went safely uh, she's, got a, so I
1: think, she's got another big election coming up down march 2nd another special election not quite a uh, not maybe not quite as big as the primary or the general but it is another election and I don't know about you Dan this might be a little off track but I don't know about you but I don't know if I'll ever look at the month of march the same way again in my life it's just kind of like a reflex at this point whenever i hear the like the month march it might just be a reflex of i'll always think of 2020
0: where the Ides of March. That's right, March. 4th, uh, I mean, not
1: March fifteenth. March fifteenth, right?
0: That is the Ides. And yes, the thirteenth is the date that uh, stands out to me locally from last year because that was that was the day that a uh, student at Cranston West was identified as positive, and schools were shut down slowly, shortly thereafter. And that was kind of the date that. Yeah. Uh, Things
1: ramped up. About a year ago, not maybe not exactly, but more like eleven months. But about a year ago we were talking about how people could sign up for tests and get testing done and now it's how you can get vaccines done and register for those and it's just it's crazy how, how much things have come in a year. But
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yes, yeah, so that, that well, I would say I mean Gorbey would be a great pick. I mean especially just my speculation. Yeah. That no, might I know. be completely
0: baseless. Oh I know. Basis, oh, but, I, know. Uh,
1: I know, but it really is betting anything but speculation? <laughs>
0: I do the odds on this. Got to see the, got to see the field.
1: I think I think the odds are the odds are good. I would say, but it's it is unfortunate because I think Diaz was also a great option, and if this position at Brown precludes him, like you kind of alluded to, there, then that's that's difficult. But again, you know, he wasn't going to wait around for it, and it's not a permanent gig. You have to run again if you want it again. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, and. Um, uh, I guess never say never. If uh, they're looking to fill that position and can't find anybody good, maybe uh, maybe a policy in the throws his hat in the ring. <laughs> 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 Pure speculation. I'm just I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> uh, but anyway. I'd be re- I'd be remiss not to mention uh, our our uh, past guest on this uh, podcast and uh, frequent uh, p- column contributor Steve Frias. Mm. If he had his way, the uh, the position would be left unfilled. So uh, that's another one to. You know, I might be interested in the odds on that, too. If maybe the dearly maybe.
1: departed Mr. Uh, Mr. Healy had his way, the position would not yes. exist.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, it's certainly going to be, uh, I imagine, in the next couple of years here, there will be some new look at mm-hmm. uh, the lieutenant governor's office, how it's filled, um, what its role is. And, right. Uh, there will be some some further debate on that for sure. Of course. Um, to turn the, uh, to turn the page let's go to topic two I thought and this this one's kind of a binary uh, uh, you know pick here uh, and I think we know the answer but it's still you know mm-hmm. fun to run through this exercise yeah we've uh, discussed before and uh, you've reported about this uh, large retail distribution uh, facility I'm maybe mis- not describing that correctly but That's right. uh,
1: large uh, stands, um, described as a major distribution facility a major retail distribution facility.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. in Johnston, Operation Schooner is what it's been uh, dubbed. I see uh, in documents, and there is uh, no formal mention at this point of uh, you know. There's the the applicant is uh, you know a third party entity, I believe, um, operating on behalf of a large retailer um, who is not named, but I think everyone knows is uh, likely uh, Amazon. Um, yep. looking at this facility, in and we've discussed this uh, a couple weeks ago on the pod. Um, I know there's uh, maybe Jake, you could uh, give some more background and uh on, on the latest developments. I know it's been delayed a little bit. The consideration, right. and uh, you know, is it is it Amazon? Is it is that what's coming?
1: <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll save that for the end. But they uh, they were supposed to entertain this at a public hearing on Tuesday for the planning board. Uh, that was delayed. I had gotten, I I, I'd, I'd kind of, you know, they weren't really talking much about it. So I was like, you know, this might get pushed off. Um, sure enough, when they got to the, the item on the agenda, they spoke with attorney John Bolton. Uh, he's representing Blue Water, Blue Water Property Group is the name of the place. So he's representing Blue Water. And he said they requested a continuance because there was an issue, uh, I believe, notifying one of the abutters, and, uh, you know, that, that could create a whole domino effect of, of legal issues down the line. So they requested a continuance to February 16th, which is not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday after, I believe it'll be at six thirty, if I'm not mistaken, that will be a, uh, a, a lot of eyes on that one, both media and, uh, members of the public. I've already taken a couple of calls from members of the public looking, or at least one looking for more information on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a good reason why they're not using the word Amazon, um, it's kind of a boogeyman. I mean, it's it's a lot of space. It's a lot of it's three point seven square, uh, three point seven million square feet of a total area, and the base foundation of the main center is about eight hundred and sixty thousand square feet. So you're looking at an enormous plot of land. And uh, Ted Nisi, uh tweeted about it last night, which if you're listening to this, whenever it was on Thursday, and I responded to it, and I was like, well. If it's not Amazon, I would love to know what it is because there are not a lot of you know places that will build a retail distribution facility of that size and that scope other than Amazon. I mean, mm. they're known for these large distribution facilities. And the thing about Blue Water, I did a little research when I saw their name on the planning agenda, they're associated with a lot of these proposals. So it doesn't take a lot of reading between the lines to see that this is more than likely Amazon. Now, Bolton did say, it's in the poll quote on the front page of the Sunrise this week, he did say there are flyers going around the town. He said that the people handing them out are being irresponsible. That's a quote. uh, quote, Quote-unquote, irresponsible. And he urged people not to kind of read too much into them. Uh, They're filled with misinformation. Quote-unquote. I have yet to see one of these flyers. If you're listening and you have access to one, please send them my way. JacobM at RhodeyB.com. I'd love to see it. Um, uh, But yeah, so he urged uh, caution with those, but uh, to answer your question, if I had to give a yes or a no, I would I would be shocked if it isn't. I mean, I mean, just just looking at all the facts that are available, and all the caution being urged and all the diligence being put into it, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if they said it's for, I don't know, Barnes and Noble or something. Like I'd be a little shocked if it wasn't Amazon. Like, just looking at all the figures and facts and speculation, it it all adds up to me as if the uh, the, the big uh, big overlords of our lives are coming into uh, coming into Johnson. That would be my guess. But that's mostly speculation, but a lot of kind of digging on my part to look up, you know, Blue Waters connections and attending that planning meeting. And, you know, there was a person who there was another, uh, I know you read the story, Dan, but there was another uh, discussion, some old business from the planning board meeting. And somebody, I think it's right down the road from where this facility is supposed to be. And the, one of the public comments was asking Joe Shikarchi, the House Speaker and Attorney for this other group, Stillwell, whether it had anything to do with Amazon. And uh, Shikarchi was quick to shut that down because he, I don't think he wanted anything to, anything to do with that discussion um, that it didn't. But it's it's definitely something on, on everybody's minds because you look at that size and that scope, and it's, it's hard to imagine anything else of that enormity going there
0: yeah hey and uh certainly uh amazon uh, uh produces some strong reactions uh, among folks uh, you know it's the kind of double-edged sword i think any any jobs that uh, would be created locally would be welcome but uh you know there are they're also uh you know amazon is uh not been a helpful force for small businesses, and uh, you know, and and the jobs it does create, you know, they. I'm not exactly sure what the nature of these roles would be, but uh,
1: I think it's also worth noting. Maybe not not to cut you off. I'm sorry, but it's also yeah, worth let's... noting that uh, the mayor, you know, he's extremely business friendly, and he doesn't really shy away from somewhat maybe a controversial proposal. I mean, he's said. Many times to me that if the Burville Power Plant could have gone in Johnston, he would have built it in Johnston. There was an issue with I think the lines or something underground that it couldn't happen, but he has said he would have happily built it in Johnston if he could have. Um, so this is this I'm not I'm not entirely surprised if it is Amazon, um, but again I I keep reiterating it. But you, I mean you just look at. Just look at the plot, the la- like, all of the land that would be associated with it. I think, I think we did the math. I was talking to John Howell, and we did the math. It's something like 88 acres of total land. Like, you're looking at an enormous, enormous amount of space. So I would love to know what else could possibly go there other than – I mean, yep. you're looking – I mean, there was a rehab facility on the agenda that was like a quarter of the size with office buildings and other buildings for maintenance, like – and that was about a quarter of the size of this, maybe even less than a quarter of the size of this. So, I mean, it's they're not going to say the name Amazon, probably who knows how long until we hear the name Amazon come out of the applicant's mouth, maybe never. But you know one of the first questions asked at the public hearing or by one of the members of the planning board is about Amazon. That's going to be one of the first things that is asked. Obviously, traffic issues are a big concern. With such a large area of land, there's going to be environmental Questions and concerns. Where are there any wetlands? Yada yada yada. All, you know, there's going to be questions about everything. And as I've said before on this on this podcast, this will not be a one and done public hearing deal. This is going to be a long time that they're going to be talking about this. So, if you don't have your voice heard the next public hearing, there's going to be another. It's going to go before the council. There's going to be a lot of discussion about this. So, uh, stay tuned. I would I would advise.
0: It's going to be keeping you in business for these next. Uh
1: and uh amazon and i've you know it's only fair i've only helped keep amazon in business for the past three or four years
0: <laughs> yeah hey it's i i'm a i'm a prime member problematic as though some yes some of amazon's uh, the reality of amazon is you know, it's hard to escape these days it is but, it's, um, it is
1: it is all consuming and i mean mm-hmm. i'm a member you know i I go on there I watch the boys I watch the shows I like on Prime and it's you know you, you make back all of your Prime membership like around the holidays and it's it, it is it is problematic I agree I mean there's there's definitely you know moral <laughs> concerns I have with Amazon's operation but you know well that that's a whole other podcast for a different day but uh, I guess it's worth noting Jeff Bezos is stepping down as the CEO as well so yeah, uh, see maybe he's gonna run for mayor of Johnson. I'm not saying he is. <laughs> I'm not saying he is, but maybe he'll run for mayor of Johnson. <laughs> I'll take the odds on that.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. What
1: else we got on the uh the docket here, Dan?
0: Well, I think uh before we uh shift over to our guests, let's run through uh the the fun part here. Mm. Super Bowl. Super Bowl picks. That's right. Kansas City Chiefs and the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking the field uh, Sunday afternoon. Who you got?
1: So it is the first ever home Super Bowl in the league, in the history of the NFL. There have been a couple other chances here and there that teams would do. That. I think the Cardinals came close one year, but never before has the uh, one of the teams playing the Super Bowl hosted it. So I uh, I like the Buccaneers in this one. I mean, I have I've bet against Tom Brady before and I've been wrong before. I mean. Patrick Mahomes is an incredible talent. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I'm sorry, I've seen Brady do this enough. Where even even in a game where he throws three interceptions against the Packers, a team with one of the other best quarterbacks in the league, they still win. I think they have a young, dynamic defense. A lot of great players. Uh, Levante David, not young, but still a great player. Sean Murphy, Bunting, Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr., who Tom Brady played against his father. If there's any, if you want to just you know know how long he's been in the league. Um, oh, my God. Um, who am I forgetting? What's his name? Uh, Devin White, the linebacker. I love Devin White. Incredible player. Uh, and Dominican Sue, veteran. Jason Pierre-Paul has had a great year. So they're a little bit underrated on defense, I think. But at the end of the day, Dan, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. If I'm wrong betting against him, I'll be wrong betting against him. But I've, I will not do it. I think he's going to win his seventh, and, you know, he'll have one for the other index finger.
0: Well, I'm going to double down on my uh, my bet from last week, and I'm going against Tom Brady. I'm picking the, the Chiefs in this game. I thought the Packers uh, just gave that one away. The uh, uh, Tom's not going to be able to get away with with what he did last weekend throwing. It wasn't three consecutive picks, I don't think, right? But it was pretty close succession.
1: It, I mean, uh, yeah, and really only maybe two of them were his fault. There was one that just def. There was one that was dumb luck. There was one that absolutely was his fault, and then there was another one that was also kind of kind of fluky, but the one he threw to Evans on the sideline, that was a throwaway. That was a hundred percent his fault. That was a terrible interception.
0: Yeah. I just, uh, you know, uh, Kansas city is just one of those teams that, uh, you know, they can throw on that switch. And, and, uh, if you give them the opportunity, they're not gonna, they're not going to give it away like the Packers did. So, um, uh, your points are well taken with uh, the amount of talent. And, uh, it is quite a, a lot of names on that, on that, uh, Bucks team but hmm. and hey I'll be proven wrong probably but uh, I'm, I'm going Chiefs that's my that's my feel for this game which would make them back-to-back winners which uh, for for New England fans certainly not a welcome uh, not a welcome development to have a little rival dynasty there but
1: I mean look I w- I'm not gonna be surprised if either team wins this I mean it was kind of like last year where the Niners were so dominant on defense that you, I think the only way you're going to beat Mahomes is with a dynamic offense like that. Like, the Niners did not have a dynamic offense. They did lead that game in the fourth quarter by, like, ten points, so they should have won. But, like, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Tom Brady, which New England fans have come to learn over the years. Um, but you need a, an incredible high-flying offense like the Chiefs to match them. Like, yes, the defense they have is good. If you can just stem the tide a little bit from Mahomes, you'll be safe. But... You need a Brady, Evans, Godwin, Rojo, uh, like all the, Gronk, all these guys. They have. They they need that type of offense to match the Kansas City Chiefs' output. So it's not gonna it's gonna be a high scoring game. I think. I don't think they're gonna break that record the Patriots and the Eagles set, but. I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this game. So if uh, if if you're a betting man, bet the over probably. I would say uh, a lot of touchdowns to be scored, and. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think it'll be a close game. I think I have the Patriots. Patriots, see, I'm still doing it. Uh, I have the Buccaneers winning. I think by a field. No, I've won by a touchdown. Um, but all my other friends have them have it by a field goal or, or less. So it's it's gonna be a fun one to watch. I mean, you got two of the best quarterbacks playing. Probably the two best quarterbacks that are still playing. Um, and it just goes to show you that's how you win in the NFL these days. You can get fluky years here and there, like the Ravens in in 2000 or the Buccaneers in 2002 where you have a great defense and the quarterback is middling and you still win it all. But there's going to be years where you just need an elite quarterback to do it. And you had probably – I mean, is it crazy to say, Dan, the four best quarterbacks in the league this year were the ones playing on on Championship Sunday? like Yeah. Brock, no, no, yeah? And Allen was probably the worst of them, but he still had one of the best years in the league. So you need an elite quarterback like that to, uh, to get that far. So – it's gonna be a great game to watch. Um, I know the NFL. You know, uh, not like they deserve it, but they're definitely getting the best matchup they could ask for. I think. Um, in uh, in tam- I, I almost said New England again in Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I do. Have, I do have tam- now. I'm I'm also hedging my bet though because on my website uh, that, I, that I write for separately, I bet I said the Kansas City Chiefs would win, but I'm saying here the Bucks will win, so I'll win either way. Really. There you go. I mean, that's, that's the best way, isn't it? That's the best thing, isn't it? Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll go Buccaneers.
0: Uh, who's your Super Bowl MVP? Going with the, going with the hedge. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know, Mahomes. Yeah, so
1: the easy pick would be, I would say Brady. Uh, one of my friends last night in my other podcast said Kelsey, which would be the first time a tight end's ever won Super Bowl MVP. Uh, and if you're a betting person, that's a good bet to make because usually it's the quarterbacks and, like, no one else. So if you bet Edelman two years ago, you probably won some money. Uh, it is funny looking at like the bottom the bottom odds though like uh, the kickers winning the MVP and uh, like Jason Pierre Paul like Dion Buchanan like plus 10,000 odds like if by some miracle they won it would be great for you, but I Think uh, in this game. It's gonna be either one of the quarterbacks or a skill player I don't think it's gonna be a defensive player. That's like Brandon Graham made a great defensive play and against the Patriots in Super Bowl my god 52 yeah, fifty-two, but he didn't win the MVP for it. So I don't think there'll be any Von Miller performances in this game. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Well, we shall see. Looking at CBS uh, or the Sporting News here, the uh, the point spread appears to be uh, the Chiefs are favored, given three points to the Bucks. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Stick I like it. Prediction. I like it. One more, uh, actually, to to lead into our guest for this week, uh, one more uh, prediction. Uh, the, uh, the the census results we just heard last week are uh, the preliminary census results. Um, the state population figures that will determine whether uh, whether you know how congressional seats are apportioned and whether Rhode Island loses a seat are now scheduled to come out in April after some delay. We going to lose a seat?
1: <sighs> wow, that's a good that's a good question. Um, just quick guess, up Just guessing, pure speculation. I'll say. I'll say yes. I think Rhode Island's gonna lose the seat.
0: I'll go contrarian again, and I'll say no. That we did just enough to hold on, and I, I would, know.
1: Again, hedging my bet. I'm very hopeful. I'm hopeful that we did not lose that seat, but I know a lot. I know a lot's happened since John Marion. By the way, John Marion. Shout out John Marion and a uh, Galen Auger, I, bl- I believe. Yes. Yes. Uh, were our inaugural guests on the Radio Beacon. Um, you got it. Just but we had them in that conference room you're sitting in, Dan, all without a mask, just hanging out. <laughs>
0: Yes, that was just a a little less than a year ago now. They were, as you mentioned, our inaugural guests on this podcast. That's right. And uh, I thought this would be a good opportunity Uh, earlier this week. uh, John Marion, the director of Common Cause Rhode Island, uh, was uh, gracious enough to make some time for me. We spoke by phone. Um, Given the news last week about the population count data and when that's coming out, um, I figured it would be a good chance to catch up with him. I know it would make him very happy if the uh, the state holds on to its its second seat and uh, you know we're, we're certainly rooting for that. oh yeah um, but uh, i I did a write-up that appears in this week's editions of our papers um, with John providing an update on the census, the timeline, where things stand, some of the different issues, how the state's complete count effort went despite all of the challenges because <laughs> as you mentioned, you know we yeah we we, we caught up with him just as the census was getting underway, as a lot of that complete count outreach was getting underway, and of course, circumstances really uh, altered the landscape. But um, uh, John has some really great insight um, into uh, what we're looking at locally, uh, about Governor Raimondo's um, role uh, as uh, with the census, if she's confirmed as Commerce Secretary, and, and the implications uh, of that should be overseeing the census. So, um, and then nationally too, he had some some good insight into some of the trends to look for. So, um, with that, uh, thanks for for catching up, Jake. We hope everyone out there is doing well, staying safe. Um, we'll go to uh, my conversation with John Marion after this, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. I guess to to dive into the the main thrust here, uh, how did did we end up doing with the census? I know, for instance, we first spoke... Many months ago, quite a lot has happened.
2: Yeah, so uh, we don't know the results of the census yet. Uh, um, The initial results were supposed to come out on December thirty first, 2020. That's when we should have found out if we keep one of our two congressional seats. Hmm. Uh, But because of the pandemic, the Census Bureau is delayed in releasing the results so it looks like we'll know that initial number, which will just tell us um, the total state population and uh, whether we keep keep the two seats uh, sometime in April, mm-hmm. it looks like we'll find that out. So until then, we're in a state of suspense uh, as to whether or not um, we did a good job. The trend for the last two decades has been that we're going to lose one of those seats, uh, that we're treading water in terms of population. We're not growing, we're not shrinking. And I don't think there's anything to suggest that trend has changed.
0: Yeah. Was there any indication from the response rate uh, over the last several months, or is it really up in the air at this point?
2: Yeah, so we were middle of the pack when it came to responses. Um, I think we ended up 26th in the country in terms of the number of people who responded to the census affirmatively without the census having to knock on their door. Um, so we were neither great nor, nor terrible. Yeah. Um, but that isn't necessarily an indicator of whether we grew or shrank in terms of population. That's just more an indicator of how willing people are to answer the census. Um, so, for instance, you know, there are certain states that just always respond at high rates, like Minnesota, uh, and it has more to do with sort of civic culture than it does to do with
0: whether or not that state uh, is growing or not. Mm. In terms of, I know there was, you know, in the final days of the, uh, or final months there of the Trump administration, there was some legal wrangling and and some starts and stops with this whole process should should the delay in reporting um till april be construed as as good news in terms of getting a a full count
2: yeah so there was there's really two issues one was that um the trump administration had ordered the census bureau uh, after it failed to get a citizenship question on the Uh, questionnaire uh, because of a Supreme Court case uh, in 2019, it then turned around and ordered the Census Bureau to put citizenship question in the data file by searching for other um, government databases that might contain citizenship data and asking them to to merge. Mm. So one of the early actions of the Biden administration was to reverse that. So so when they delivered the numbers to the states, There won't be any data about citizenship in there, Um, and that's settled. The Biden administration has the full legal authority um, to do that. The second issue, which is unrelated, is just that the census was dramatically delayed because of the pandemic. So originally they were supposed to stop counting on July 31st, 2020, and they really didn't finish counting until uh, the middle of October. Yeah. uh, you know, this is a huge undertaking so that, you know, they have hundreds of millions of um, answers to the census. And, that, and they need to sort through those uh, and, you know, make sure that the, the data file um, is, has integrity. Um, and that might include things like, you know, making sure that a college student um, who moved home during the pandemic is counted uh, in uh, at, at college uh, and not at home because the parents might've put uh, him or her on the questionnaire uh, for, for their home. And so uh, that's a huge undertaking. And what was happening was the, sen- the Census Bureau said the Trump administration was rushing them to, to put the data out and they weren't getting enough time to clean it up uh, and now uh, the Bureau seems to feel, you know, uh, with the new administration, they have enough time to clean it up. But that's, that's the reason for the delay, I um, is they're doing cleanup on the back
0: end. I understand. In terms of, I know Common Cause played a key role in this Complete Count initiative here in Rhode Island. Um, obviously, all the planning that went into that, I imagine, was disrupted significantly by the pandemic. How did it all end up going, in your view?
2: Yeah we did the best we could. so we were um, uh, behind uh, an effort to create a, like a stakeholder group that ended up being 60 members. Um, and the idea was to have community groups do outreach to encourage people to participate in the census. With the pandemic, you know, all the community events were canceled, all the festivals, all the parades where we were going to have a presence. Um, so it all almost all shifted online, although uh, we did do some in-person, particularly uh, we found a lot of success at, uh, and this is very sad, but at food distribution events. Yeah. Um, you know, because of the pandemic, people are going hungry, and, and they were showing up uh, for, for food distribution, and, um, and we were able to um, talk to them there about the importance of the census and uh so it had some success there i think we did the best we could under the circumstances you know um it appears by some of our metrics in terms of uh you know what we were able to distribute in terms of materials that that we were able to get get the message out to folks particularly you know uh, there are what they call hard to count communities um and those happen to overlap with the the groups who are most in need of food. Um, so I think it was successful in terms of reaching people that way.
0: Yeah. It, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: Yeah, no, no. I that, that you know, it's tough to measure, and it was the first time that, that Rhode Island's ever had a, a statewide effort to try to reach people. So you know, uh, as I like to say, you know. Um, you know, even if we just reached one more person than we did in 2010, um, it was worth it. And, you know, I'm
0: optimistic we reached a lot more than, than one person. That's great. What, um, I mean, I know that this delay in reporting, uh, a quick Google shows, you know, all these headlines about, uh, um, you know, redistricting efforts and, and that kind of work being upended in states across the country. What are the ramifications here in Rhode Island?
2: yeah so uh fortunately um it won't have a very big effect on redistricting in rhode island uh we have um the latest you know so the census data is used to draw new districts both for the um, congress although we probably won't have to do that anymore uh, as well as the state legislature and even city councils uh and town councils uh and uh In most states, those new boundaries need to be put in place for elections in 2022 uh, that might be in June, um, because most states have their primary elections early in the year. Um, Rhode Island uh, doesn't have our primary until September, Mm -hmm. uh, and so that gives us a big buffer. Um, So we will be the least affected state in the country by the... um, uh, delayed census results because we have the latest primary in the United States. Um, normally, you know, we don't support a super late primary. It makes makes it difficult to run elections. Um, but for purposes of redistricting, it's it's a it's a blessing in disguise because yeah. now uh, we don't have to rush. There are states, particularly uh, New Jersey and um, uh, Virginia, that have elections this year. Uh, and they are going to be in a real pinch to uh, redistrict uh, if that data doesn't come until, um, you know, July. It looks like the bureau is going to get the total population counts and um, the congressional apportionment numbers out in April, but they won't get what's called the re- census redistricting file, which is the really granular level data that's needed to draw boundaries. Uh, until July, so th- there are states who are going to be in a real uh, pickle. There'll be a lot of
0: litigation. Yeah, is the is the overall trend still you know the the South and the the West picking up seats and the you know these uh, Rhode Island and, and the Northeast type of states losing them?
2: Yeah, yeah. Except for there's there's a couple curious things. Um, one is that uh, California is on track to lose seats. Hmm. Uh, or a seat for the first time in history. Um, we think of California as the growth state, and it's people are leaving California, um, and uh, and then um, there are I think Minnesota's set to gain, Alabama's set to lose. So there's some idiosyncratic ones here or there, um, but yes, generally speaking, you know, population growth in this country is uh, south and west, um, and that is going to continue. It, what What's interesting, though, is it's not going to pick up. Um, this census won't pick up some of the changes that were accelerated by the pandemic. Mm. So, for instance, you know, um, Texas has been growing like gangbusters during the pandemic, um, but it won't capture that because the census asks you, "Where did you live on April first, 2020?" Uh, and you know, people hadn't started moving by April first.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. I know a lot of uh, I wonder too you know there's been a lot of reporting about folks from New York and places you know coming to Rhode Island buying houses here because they're they're working <laughs> remotely now so I wonder I guess we'll be missing that as well a little bit
2: yeah, yeah, so we won't benefit from uh, the folks who fled to Rhode Island uh, necessarily. We will be though perhaps um, punished. <laughs> so to speak, because we have a large um, number of colleges, particularly in Providence, Mm -hmm. and uh, the data, the Census Bureau has reported um, that the data for college students living off campus um, is really incomplete. Uh, And if you think about it, you know, colleges shut down in mid-March and sent students home. And those questionnaires uh, landed in mailboxes March 13th. Um, and so it may be that Rhode Island suffers because of our outsized number of college students who, who never answered, uh, or had their, their parents answer for them, uh, at their, you know, at their home.
0: Yeah. My goodness. talking about, yeah, bad timing. March 13th yeah, is about as bad as couldn't it could have been worse. Yeah. What, um, Governor Raimondo is poised to be leading uh, the Commerce Department, which includes the census. What What do you see, uh, um, you know, I, I guess that won't have direct benefits for Rhode Island necessarily, but uh, what do you see as the implications there and, and just kind of your thoughts on her heading to that kind of position?
2: Yeah, you know, um, a lot of folks have described the Commerce Department as a grab bag of, um, you know, agencies. Yeah, uh, And the second biggest uh, is the Census Bureau. So she'll be in charge uh, of the census, but her impact probably won't be on the current one that's wrapping up. It'll be on the planning for 2030. Mm. Um, it, is, it is such a large operation that they have to plan uh, far, far in advance. So during her tenure as Commerce Secretary, they'll be making big decisions about how operationally the 2030 census um, will... Um, will be conducted. So for instance, the 2020 census was the first so-called online census where everybody was asked to um, respond uh, on the internet. You know, was that successful? Should they continue that in 2030? Those will be decisions that'll happen on her watch uh, at the the Commerce Department. You know, she was the one who created the statewide Complete Count Committee. She was, um, her office was active. Uh, in managing that effort so hopefully um she doesn't go into this uh new role in dc blind um to the importance of of the census uh and its impact on on communities like our ours so um so you know i'm i'm glad you know she's taken this promotion and uh she'll be in charge of the census that census bureau needs some help right now you know the last four years have been extremely difficult you had um you know there's a a large group of, of professional demographers there um who are being sort of ordered to do things for political reasons mm-hmm. um not um for for scientific reasons and if she's able to kind of restore a uh, trust in that um you know hopefully uh, uh that'll uh you know, bring the census um, back a little bit in terms of credibility.
0: Yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask, and this may or may not be on your radar, but on, on a hyper-local level, there's been a lot of debate over the last few years over the counting of the prison population in the drawing of Cranston's yeah. ward maps and, and assembly uh, maps. I know there was a court case um, a couple of years ago that uh, the, the city ended up prevailing in, um, and there's been... Uh, various proposals, I think, in the legislature, too. Is there any movement on that whole issue at this point? Uh,
2: So, um, yeah, so people understand that the Census Bureau counts prisoners at the prison, Mm. um, uh, even though uh, the community uh, all across the nation, including Cranston, don't really consider them residents of the the municipality. Um, It's called prison-based gerrymandering. Mm. Rhode Island has the most prison-based gerrymandering uh, in one respect because we only have one prison complex. Every other state has prison complexes scattered around the state. Um, and what happens is, you know, uh, if you're currently incarcerated, convicted um, of a felony, you, you lose your right to vote. Um, but you're counted um, in those districts, And so it makes the voters in the districts more powerful than all the other voters in the state um, because um, uh, there are are fewer voters in the district. So uh, as you said, there was litigation for the ACLU, it was unsuccessful. There's a bill that's passed the Senate for a whole number of years um, that would uh, fix it by reallocating those folks to their home communities um, when they do the redistricting. The bills in again this year um, you know we'll see how it goes mm. one of the obstacles was that um, uh, former speaker Nick Mediello represents one of the two districts that that covers the ACI and he would kill the bill in the house mm. uh, and he's no longer in power um, so it remains to be seen whether his successor will let it have a vote um, it could still pass this year and take effect um, they could still implement it uh, for the, the, current redistricting. Hmm.
0: Are there any other, um, takeaways or, or things that you wanted to convey, you know, given how, how closely involved and you've been in this process?
2: Yeah. I mean, the one, um, thing people might not be aware of, there was a ballot question, um, uh, in Cranston, uh, last November to, uh, on the city charter that affects redistricting. Hmm. Um, and uh, it puts in some um, standards uh, that didn't exist in the city charter for redistricting um, prior uh, prior to last year and so redistricting will be a little different in Cranston this time um, it should um, hopefully take some of the, the gamesmanship out of it mm. um, the same thing happened in Providence uh, in 2012 they passed a charter change that'll take effect this year um, and the idea is um, to try to make the process a little blind um, to the partisanship uh, uh, when they draw the the boundaries. Uh, So hopefully that's effective. Um, So, you know, uh, redistricting is, you know, very important. The other point I guess I would make is um, we're hoping that people get involved in, in the redistricting process. You know it's all done by computers it used to be 10 or 20 years ago uh very complex sophisticated computers that cost a lot of money mm. now it can be done um on your phone wow. uh, because computing power has gotten so much stronger so there'll be efforts particularly in Providence um but hopefully in Cranston that'll encourage you know citizens to draw their word boundaries um uh and help sort of guide the process and say you know this is where i think the line should be drawn um it, it, it gamified it uh, in some respects which is great because it should be in the voters hands not the politicians hands
0: Radio Beacon is a production of Beacon Communications, publisher of the Warwick Beacon, Cranston Herald, Johnston Sunrise, and Coventry Reminder newspapers. Find us online at warwickonline.com, cranstononline.com, johnstonsunrise.net. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Rodebeat, R-H-O-D-Y-B-E-A-T. This podcast is hosted by Anchor Podcasts. Subscribe today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other podcast platforms.